Welcome back, everybody. Hub Arkish in with you tonight until 9 o'clock. You've got Cesar Perez behind the glass. He is the guy you're talking to when you dial us up on the phone. He's done an outstanding job, as always, putting the show together, lining up great guests. And the other thing Cesar did for us is he was able to pull this cut. This afternoon, Rod Marinelli, former Chicago Bears coach, very successful defensive coach throughout his NFL career. Didn't go so well as a head coach, but outstanding job as a D-line coach and defensive coordinator. Worked closely with Matt Eberflus was one of his main uh, uh, mentors in time together in Dallas. And he visited this afternoon with Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Some really good stuff in this conversation. So we thought we would replay it for you. And with no further delay, let's welcome in Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel, and uh, Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, of course. Longtime Bears coach. He was the defensive coordinator in Dallas when Matt Eberflus was his linebacker coach. And Coach Marinelli, kind enough to join us now on the score. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. How are you doing? We're doing very, very well. Can you tell Bears fans about Matt Eberflus, please? Certainly. Um, let me start with a man first. You know, I think that's the most important thing. And uh, just a terrific family man, a ter- terrific loyal coach. All the way through it. I mean, the the things he stands for, I think, are are really important, and uh, the discipline and those type of things. As a person, great communicator. You know, as a coach, I've kind of hit some of those things. I think are critical is ability to communicate to all, and uh, I, I think setting a standard, setting a foundation, is what he'll do. And uh, he's done that. He did a terrific job of that, of helped rebuild the roster and then rebuild that defense up in Indy. And we did the same with Dallas when he was here. So I, I think he uh, he checks every box that I can see. You know, Bears fans of a certain age have such a fond memory of you. you don't even have to be of a certain age, really, Rod. It's not that long ago with uh, the time for, for you here. But you and Lovey Smith, going back to the Tampa 2 with Tony Dungy, how is a head coach supposed to function when they are a defensive guy? Like, should he be the defensive coordinator as well? Should he delegate that? How is it supposed to function with Matt Eberflus and his staff? You know, I don't want to speak for Matt, but I mean, I I think he'll do a great job of uh, understanding the role, the responsibility of a head coach, especially game day, about managing a game. And, um, you know, all the field position, situational football is huge. And I'm sure he's going to get a man in there that's going to run the defense the way he wants it. And that allows him, once that happens, to have an overseer of the entire franchise. That's to me sometimes is a missing link in, in hiring a head coach, a guy that doesn't have a vision for the entire organization and how the special teams looks and exactly which one on defense and exactly what you're looking for in offense. Then having the ability to go out and find the right coaches, don't have to be headliners, find the right coaches that can teach. And then you as a head coach make sure they work as a heartbeat, as a staff. That's, to me, how you win. And, and Coach, will he have the respect of those other grown men, those other coaches, to teach them how he wants them to teach the players? Yeah, I I don't know if if I'm saying he'll – what he'll do, to me, 
good head coaches. I've always been around. I've been around some really good ones. And they want to make sure you coach your coaches in terms of things, how to do it, not so much what you're doing. You hire, you should know that before you hire them, but it's how you do it, your drill work. You want to see what kind of drills they run, EDDs, everyday type of drills. What are your standards for your position? And then each position standards should have clarity to it and then a meaning as a whole staff. And I think that is such a big role of a head coach. I go back to Coach Dungey like that and, and guys that I've had been around as the standards of position, the standards, what are you looking for? And that's what you're able to hold uh, all coaches accountable to. Rod Marinelli is our guest. He was a mentor for Matt Eberflus, new Bears head coach, just announced earlier today. 51 years old, getting his first chance at being a head coach. Why do you think it took this long for Matt? I don't um I don't think it's a long time. I guess by today's standards, I guess you should say. But uh, I, to me, he's paid his dues. He's worked at it. And the, the thing, it's not just having a, a one-year, two-year explosion on, as a coordinator. It's all the way from college football up that you're laying the foundation uh, to be a head coach. What does the foundation look like? That's number one. You've got to understand that as you're taking a job. And what do you want this team to represent to the city in all three phases, not in one phase? And so the structure, and I, I think he's had a chance to be around some really good head coaches along the route, and that's the key, uh, being around some really uh, top-notch guys who understand the role of that position. So that's what's going to make, I think, him really, uh, really outstanding. And I've always used this phrase, the, the last thing to show in a successful business is profit. You have to do it. <laughs> you have to do it the right way. And he's been trained through his career is to do things the right way. And then you have something lasting and something that everybody's going to be pretty dang proud of. What did you teach him? Like where when we when we point to Matt Eberflus and we say he learned fill in the blank from Rod Marinelli, what are we talking about? Uh, I say what the whole I mean, getting the entire unit on the same page and being an effort based defense, an effort based football team, an effort based special teams, that is a base standard of what you're looking for. Because that will show up every week of the season. It should. And then the takeaways and, you know, how to get the ball out, those type of things, you know, and the basic fundamentals of football. And that's where you're looking at every position coach. Like I was saying is on top of the details. If you give a man 20 to 25 minutes of individual period, you got to be accountable for that. Now you better be accountable. And cause those are precious minutes in a day. And so hopefully those are some of the things that, we have talked about over the years and something is really important to me. And then understanding the tradition of the defense and how to build a tradition. Coach, uh, he seems to have taken loafs from you. He counts when, when players are loafing, 
during practice, he counts them up, says, oh, that's two loafs on you, and playing time is affected by loafs. Is that your invention, or did you get that from uh, Dungy or somebody else along the way? Well, I brought it up through college to Coach Dungy, that part of the loaf. We always had, uh, you know, pursuit drill and those things type of things but i've always felt when uh they're going to ask a man to go hard that you make sure you have something that's accountable so everybody's accountable not just one not just two so each each man has to know that they're accountable to each other one lose all lose and so that low thing is comes out as something of pride you have a great deal of pride uh, over a period of time and then it's it's something that not many people do because it's really it's not fun to do. You know, you have to every film you watch, you got to spend detailed time. Okay, and we have a standard what a loaf is, so you got to go through each part of it. We did that when I was in Chicago, and uh, what is a loaf? And I think after a period of time, that's why guys play fast because they they know there's a gradable, measurable uh, standard for that. Makes all the sense in the world. Absolutely. The loafs. All right, so you are the inventor of the loafs. How about the peanut punch, which Darius Leonard, he might be the best peanut puncher in the NFL. That's Matt Eberflus's guy there in Indianapolis. Is that from peanut? Is that from you? He's, either way, he's teaching that too, isn't he? Oh, I, we just emphasize. I showed him a lot. We're in Dallas. We showed a lot of Tillman, his tapes. We showed him. And uh, even Brian Erlacher knock him out. Those guys, Briggs would just hit him out. And uh, <laughs> guy has a different style. But Matt took it, you know, and just really ran with it. I mean, just did an incredible job of takeaways. Yeah, and top I, ten in takeaways the last three years in, in Indianapolis. Yeah. One, it's, it's like loafs. It's emphasized. You usually get what you really, really emphasize. And so you can't have 50 things you're going to emphasize. And that's why I think it's going to be good with Matt, he, the clarity of what he wants. And he'll, they'll all be measurable and where the players can see it. And that's when I think it's uh, really, really effective. We're talking to Rod Marinelli here on The Score. Yeah, we dream of uh, Roquan Smith taking that next level play in that will linebacker spot like Darius Leonard and taking getting him up to that level. Is that I would imagine Matt Eberflus would be pretty excited to – get some influence on Roquan Smith. Oh, yeah. I mean, in that position, has, in this system, has a long history. You know, it goes back to Derek Brooks and Lance Briggs and all the way up. I mean, that will linebacker and the one he has in uh, Indy and Sean Lee and, and Dallas. So Matt knows what it looks like, and he's coached it. And so that's one of the key components to it. And they got, they got one there, obviously. So he fits that more than the uh... – that the interview this afternoon with Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel, and Rod Marinelli. Rod's a guy who knows a little bit about defense and an awful lot about coaching and obviously a big fan of Matt Eberflus, one of his pupils, so to speak. So uh, hopefully Bears fans feel good about that, and I'm sure we'll be talking more. Actually, I've had a lot of people reach out and say, hey, what about Rod Marinelli as his defensive coordinator? I was under the impression that Rod had had enough 
Uh, he'd been doing this a long, long time, but uh, you don't really rule out anything. We'll see what Matt Eberflus has in mind as soon as we get to visit with him. That now looking maybe more likely for Monday rather than tomorrow, but we'll keep you up to speed on that as soon as we know. We've got to take a quick break here. On the other side, Greg Gabriel's been through this more than a few times. 32 years as an NFL scout, director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears, worked in numerous front offices, various GMs, many coach hirings coming and going. We'll get Greg's take on everything as well as maybe more insight as to what's coming next with the putting together of his staff right here at 670 The Score. She's got the ability to step on a man's shoe and leave a shine. <laughs> Another Rod Marinelliism, I guess I will call it. And uh, love some of the folksy stuff that we get out of some of the older coaches, veteran coaches who've been around. Really good stuff from Rod Marinelli, though, today. Uh, great job by Danny and Matt in getting to visit with him, teaching us a little bit more about Matt Eberflus. And I thought also it'd be great to have a guest on tonight who could teach us more just about the whole process, uh, you know, and everything that has gone on to date, what might be coming next. Greg Gabriel, of course, somewhat of a regular here at 670 to score. Over 30 years as an NFL scout and consultant, uh, spent 10 years as the director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears, still based here locally. And uh, Greg's got his own podcast now as well. It's called Greg Gabriel Talks Football. Uh, and you can get it available where, where most podcasts are. Go to iTunes, uh, go to the App Store uh, app store on your phone, uh, but you might want to download Greg's uh, podcast. Again, it's called Greg Gabriel Talks Football, and we get to talk football with Greg for just a couple minutes tonight. Thanks again for doing this, Greg, and I uh, hope all is going well. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, two and a half weeks, a pretty hectic 48 hours for the Chicago Bears. Real, real quick 48 hours. Wow, I mean... <laughs> On Sunday, we're all wondering what's going to happen, and then a couple of days later, you got a GM and a head coach. You know, and Greg, I, like I, both, I like both guys. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, the thing I feel best about is that, and it was never really panic time because you saw all the other jobs were remaining open too, um, and we actually debated this a little bit off the air, but I was fixated on them having the GM first, letting him hire the coach himself because that was the only way this was going to be different. And George told us it was going to be different. Not only did they do that, but they then were prepared and they got the first or second. There's a debate as to who got hired first, him or Nathaniel Hackett, but the first guy off the board and, and now are way out in front of everybody and putting staffs together. And so, you know, the one thing nobody can argue is that the Bears didn't get their guys in this whole process. No, that you're 100% correct. And, and I'll tell you, you know, just watching this when, you know, Morocco came in on, on Monday for an interview, and I know Morocco had Eberflus as, as his guy for the coach. So when Morocco didn't get brought back, I just thought, well, that's going to flush out Eberflus. And that wasn't the case because, as it turns out, Ryan Poles had him very high on his list, too. And then after uh, interviewing the three finalists, and, and I don't know if, if Caldwell had much of a, a shot, you know, and, I, and I'm throwing a dart at the wall saying that only because of his age. At, at, at 67, you got to figure he's only you're only going to get four or five years max out of him, and then you got to go through this whole process again where the other guys are 51 years old, and if it works out, you got it for 10 or more years. Certainly that was the main consideration from where I sat with him. And then with Dan Quinn, 
uh, was just talking to Pat Finley about this in the last hour. Yeah, he brings head coaching experience and some past success, but he also brings a fair amount of baggage from that experience. And, and, and I just, I, I was not overly enthused by his candidacy. And, and in Eberflus, you've got a guy, and this is traditional. You know, we heard uh, Dan Bernstein talking earlier today, making a point of the fact that he's never been a head coach anywhere at any level. And I suspected something and did some quick research. None of the four coaches still coaching this weekend, nor any of the four who lost last weekend um, in those great divisional playoff games. Uh, you know, you're talking about eight of the best coaches in the NFL. None of them had ever been a head coach anywhere at any level before they got their first shot in the NFL. So th- there's really nothing unusual about that. No, that's that's par for the course. You very seldom see retreads in the NFL. You see it in baseball and basketball all the time, even hockey. But in the NFL, it's far and few between. Yeah, there's one here and one there. John Fox, you know, had three different head coaching jobs. Bill Belichick had to wait about five years, six years in between his Cleveland stint and then going to New England. But for the most part, you know, it, guys, when they get their shot, it's their first time at it. And, you know, during the interview process, one of the most important things that they're going through is who's their prospective staff. And obviously with, with a guy like Quinn or with Eberfuss, either guy, it's who's going to be your OC because Justin Fields was going to be an important part of the equation here. So he had to have that all set and you can't necessarily have one name because you cannot, you don't always get the top guy. And I can tell you a little story about that. When we hired Lovey, Lovey's guy for defensive coordinator was Marinelli, but Tampa wouldn't let him go. And Marinelli, you know, Marinelli was set to go. Tampa wouldn't let him go. And that, you know, we went to the number two guy who was Ron Rivera and that turned out to be a great hire. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story about that, because that was back in the day when some media had a lot more access and it was a lot more comfortable relationship with folks. And uh, Jerry and I had a quick relationship develop when he got here, because, of course, Joel Bushbaum was like a little brother to me. And and, and Jerry had been very close with him over the years down in Tampa as the personnel director. So uh, I guess it it allowed for a certain amount of trust. And Chico had been my broadcast partner on the postgame shows for three years before he decided to get into coaching. And so I was talking to Jerry. We sat down in his office and he said, well, you know, what what do you think if I brought in Ron Rivera? And I said, well, I I think you'd probably be an instant hero because he's a beloved bear. Remember that 85 bear team? He's a he's a really bright guy. And and I don't know, you know, I'm not a coach, but but everything that I know from working with him in broadcast, I think he might be a great coach. And Jerry said, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just a little worried. Everybody's going to say I'm just doing it because he's a former bear. And obviously we all know that worked out pretty well. It was a great hire, and he's become a damn good head coach since then. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, so, but anyway, it, it gets back. It, it's who you got on that list and, and who's going to be your coaches. It's usually, you know, two, three, four deep as far as your short list for each position coach, and the most important ones are your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and then your two line coaches. you got to get those four hires correct. And after that, you know, you got a chance. Greg, I'm, I'm just doing this from, from observing in history, but being part of the process, tell me if I'm correct or, about this or not. Generally, with an all-new coaching staff or a new head coach, they come in 
and they like to maybe find one or two coaches from the previous staff, not only because they might be good coaches, but to create some continuity and, and give them uh, some insight into what the roster is like and the players that are here. Is that actually something that, that most coaches do make a priority when they're putting together their new staff? You know, it, it, I don't think it happens 100% of the time. And when we hired Lovey, I don't think there was any holdover from Dick's staff. And so, but it, it really depends on, you know, what the feeling is in the building. You know, when you're, hire, when you're going through the interview process, you know, you may say to this guy, you know, let's say it's your offensive line coach, you know, just to, to throw in a, let's say, Juan Castillo, and you like the job Juan Castillo did, you know, you might say, you know, I want you to consider this guy. And he might not be on his list. And then, you know, the, the candidate will, will do some research and maybe talk to the guy and then make a decision. But it's ultimately the head coach's decision on who he hires. So as we look at this process now and putting together a staff, I mean, there's no question that he's got a leg up on everybody but Hackett because he's the only one who can make commitments right now. Um, this usually happens pretty quickly, doesn't it? Uh, it can, if, if, unless they're still, unless there's guys who are still playing. And if, if there's anybody he's thinking about that's in the college ranks. Now, if you go back to our original staff, we had about three or four coaches that came out of the college ranks. Our defensive line coach came from LSU. Um, Daryl Drake, the wide receiver coach came from Texas. And these guys, you know, they, they became pretty good NFL coaches. So, um, you know, it, it, none of us know who's on his list, you know, who the coaches are, but I guarantee you he's already contacted him. Hey, if I get this job, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm coming after you real quick, but if they're under contract somewhere, you got to get permission. And if it's, uh, you know, it used to be that a, a, they didn't, a team didn't have to let you go. Like in the Marinelli case, if, uh, a coordinator job was looked at upon back then as a lateral move. No longer is it a lateral move. If if you put in a permission slip for a guy to be a coordinator, you got to say, yes, he can interview for that job. So, you know, if, if the people he has in mind to be the coordinators aren't currently coordinators and under contract, you know, it should be fairly easy to get them once, once they get the permission from the uh, the team they're with now. One, you know, one of the questions I've been asked a lot is, is why not go for Rod Marinelli as his defensive coordinator, or maybe Jason Garrett would be an interesting fit as his offensive coordinator. Um, what, what history can you think of of cases where a, a, a former assistant then hires his head coach to be an assistant of his? That, that seems like it could be uh, an uncomfortable relationship, or maybe, maybe it would be wise. Maybe it could work out well. Well, you know, I tweeted out this morning, it wouldn't shock me if, if Marinelli ended up here in some capacity, whether it's line coach, uh, assistant head coach, defensive coordinator or something. And, and you know, listening to Rod's interview with, with Speaks and Parkins this afternoon, he when they asked him that question, he all of a sudden got really vague. So you got to assume that conversation's already taken place. And Fasaccia, it looks like he's not going to be kept in Oakland, which means Rod's going to be free. So, you know, I, none of us know exactly what's going to happen, but it just wouldn't shock me. As far as Garrett, 
I can't see that happen because he bombed so bad in New York. And whether that was his fault or not, who knows? But, you know, the results were just terrible when he went there as, as the uh, offensive coordinator of the last. He was, you know, there a year and a half and then got let go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess the flip side of that, though, and by the way, I'm not necessarily a fan of this move. I'm not saying I think it'd be great, but he is the guy who developed Dak Prescott, and, and Dak Prescott uh, had greater needs, I think, than Justin Fields does at this point, and that worked out pretty well, you know, and he did have a lot of success before things went south for him, uh, and obviously he, he was one of the main uh, mentors in advancing Eberflus's career. So just, just a name, you know, to keep, uh, to be aware of out there. I, I, my preference, to be honest with you, Greg, at this point, the guys that are having success are all these young kids coming off the McVeigh and the Shanahan trees. And, and, and there's a bunch of them out there right now. I, you know, two of the guys that I wrote up last week were uh, Luke Getze and Adam Stanovich up in green Bay. Uh, one's the passing game coordinator. One is the, uh, uh, run game coordinator Stenovich, who's also the offensive line coach former Michigan offensive lineman, and he trained under both Shanahan and Lafleur. So um, we know how trendy the league is, and that seems to be the hot trend right now. Um, I would suspect that, that, that some of these new coaches are going to be looking for guys like that. Well, you know, there was one name mentioned, uh, came across, I, I, it might have been Rappaport mentioned it, that, that uh, Kevin Petulo, who's the passing game coordinator for the Eagles, could be a name for the OC. So I made a call to some people I know and, and their first reaction when I was, oh, I doubt Matt would hire him, but who knows? Like I said, we can say whatever we want right now, but we're throwing darts at the wall, but I guarantee you in about 10 days, we're going to, that, that stat's going to probably be about 75% full. You're right about who knows, but I will tell you this, Greg, I heard that one and and I almost threw up. I I mean, I don't want the Philadelphia Eagles passing game coordinator right now. That's not fair. I know, you know, he's probably a good coach and this was a tough year. Um, But boy, that would be for three years before that. Right. I I know. And he's probably a good coach, but, but that would be a tough sell after watching the Eagles this year. So, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff we get into and it's really not fair. These guys are being hired on their resumes, not on one season. Um, uh, That didn't go so well. Listen, I I was disappointed when Dave Ragone got away last year. Arthur Smith obviously made a good hire for his OC. Uh, If if Ragone had been around one more year, I'd love to see him in the job here. Uh, There's a lot of good candidates out there, and I don't think they will struggle to find a good one. Um, What about Ryan Poles now? Let's get back to him. We we, we haven't really talked since he was hired. Um, I I guess one of the things I felt good about, Greg, and and I I know you were strong on Morocco Brown. I think Morocco Brown would have been an excellent hire, but I would not have been able to escape the feeling that it was a typical McCaskey move because of, you know, Morocco's past history with the Chicago Bears. And had they gone for Jim Caldwell, I could not have escaped the feeling that that was a Bill Polian rubber stamp. And and the fact that they didn't in these two cases, um, it it does give me some comfort in how open they apparently were and, and, and diligent they were in their search process for both jobs. No, well, you know, I've, I've talked to a few people. One guy's a, a director of college scouting who has been on the road with Ryan Poles a number of times over the years and just really likes him. Said he's a he's a very good scout. You know, scouts scout other scouts. You always do because you're, you're, you're looking for guys in case you lose a guy or whatever. When I was on the road, always I always was looking – 
at, at guys in case there was an opening. And that's how we ended up getting, you know, Mark Sadowski. I spent a bunch of time with Mark at different schools. And so when we had an opening, he was the first guy I called, you know, for that Southeast area, which he was scouting for uh, the saints. But this guy, you know, he told me he's, he's uh just super on that Ryan Poles is super on school calls. He's polite. He asks the right questions. Nobody knows exactly what kind of evaluator you are, except the team you work for, because nobody's going to give you their reports. But you you see how they handle themselves, and everybody who I've talked to has nothing but really positive things to say about Ryan Poles. And people have worked with him. And Chris Ballard's one of them. Chris worked with him for three years uh, in, in Kansas City. And, and Chris said he's, he's the best. You know, he said you knew. You know, I'll back up a little bit. Chris was here two years, and I knew Chris was going to be a GM. That someday in the future, he just he just saw that he had it. Well, Chris said the same thing about Ryan Poles. He has it, and he, you know, he had a bright future. He just had to pay his dues and go through the process and 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 get better and and get better jobs. And he did. And it was all within the same organization, but not necessarily working for the same people. Well, Greg, I'll tell you, there's some breaking news here on the score, and it's a little bit disappointing to be honest with you. But breaking news on the score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Apparently, Chris Tabor has been hired by the Carolina Panthers as their new special teams coach. Uh, you know, one of the questions that I've been asked is, with the Bears' current coaching staff, are they free to move on? And the answer is, it depends on their contracts. If their contracts were up, they are free. If they were still under contract, the Bears would have to release them. For Chris, this is a lateral move, so we assume uh, that his contract had run out. And, and I couldn't be more disappointed because not only is he an excellent special teams coach, great guy. I loved working with him. Uh, and I don't know that he would have been on Matt Eberflus's list anyway. He should have been because he's so good. Uh, but he apparently will not be available as he has just signed with the Carolina Panthers to be their special teams coach. And anybody who doubts how important that is, Greg, should have been watching closer with that Packers 49ers game last week. It was pretty obvious in that one, but it was a message I think everybody's going to take to heart. You know, I, I, I have a friend that was uh, asked to interview for the offensive coordinator's job at, at, in Carolina, and he turned down the interview. And the reason being is he thinks that Matt rules on thin ice and that, you know, it was just too risky. He goes, that could be one and done. And I don't want to go to one and done. So, you know, that could end up being the situation with tapes, but who knows? I mean, he had a, if his contract was up, he's got to feed his family and he's going to get a two or three year contract, no matter where he goes. So even if it is a one and done, he's going to get paid for a few years. Yeah, that would be disappointing. And I got to tell you, Taves is so good at what he does. And I think confident enough in it that he's the kind of guy who could be a holdover if there was a coaching change, somebody you'd want to have, uh, especially if they sign him to a multi-year deal. So, uh, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Everybody, you know, gets a different uh, vibe off the the people they interview with and talk to. And um, it's a good point because there's no question that the reports all through the second half of the season was that Matt Rule could be on thin ice. And it's ironic because it was just last year that everybody was raised 
raving about the first-year coach from Baylor. So uh, that's how fickle the business can be. Uh, Greg, I really appreciate your time tonight. Going to let you go. Want to remind everybody about your podcast, Greg Gabriel Talks Football. Uh, go to the App Store or iTunes on your phone. You can download the podcast. Thank you so much for checking in, and we will continue to stay in touch as more things evolve in this whole new hiring cycle. Long way to go. The Bears are done, but a bunch of jobs still to fill. Well, thanks for having me, Hub. Good talking to you. All right, that is Greg Gabriel. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I'll have time for a few more calls when we get back. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If we haven't answered your question yet, if you have a comment, if you've got a question uh, uh, that you didn't like the answer to, whatever it may be, give me a call. 312-644-6767. We are back in just a moment right here at The Score. And, you know, we have a saying here, you know, we play on the hits principle and it's it's really starts with H, you know, the H is the hustle part of it. And then the I is how we play with intensity. You know, the T is taking the ball away and then the S is being smart situationally. So that's the pillars we've had since we've been here. New Chicago Bears head coach Matt Eberflus speaking earlier this season and his job as defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts, talking about hits, something that I am quite sure that he will be bringing here to Chicago with him. He is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm sure you've heard by now. You may not have heard because this broke later this afternoon. Our congratulations to Chicago Bulls starting all-star DeMar DeRozan. He has been elected a starter on the Eastern Conference all all-star team. So uh, we want to congratulate DeMar DeRozan and we'll have more on that in the coming days as well. Right now, I'm down to just about 10 minutes left with y'all. would love to take a few more calls. We'll look at a couple texts here as well. The number is 312-644-6767. And John out in Naperville is on the line. John, how you doing tonight? Good, thanks, Hub. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Well, hey, I want to echo the uh, the first caller that you took uh, earlier today, saying that you and Arthur should get on uh, a couple of shows. I was I called back to you during the pandemic when you guys had stopped doing the podcast, saying that I love for you guys to start doing it again, and I'd still love to hear you guys on the score. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I, and hopefully, Mitch is listening, and we'll see what we can do about that. Absolutely. So let me start off by saying, as a Spartan fan, I love the fact that John or that Jim Harbaugh is exactly where he is, should be, as far you know, considering that uh, we're two and zero against them with you know our new ninety million dollar coach. But uh, be that as it may, um, one of the things I've been profoundly disappointed by is you know relates to his his brother John in that neither you know Dave Told never even got a shot to interview, and now Chris Tabor is gone. You know, given the fact that the, that the Achilles heel of the Packers has been their special teams, and we've had two of the best coaches in the NFL now leave Hallis Hall, what do we do? Well, John, uh, thank you for the call. First of all, as a Wolverine alum, I'd say be careful what you wish for, but I understand that it's, it's your time to brag now, so we'll see what happens. Um, although, actually not. I think Michigan is the Big Ten champs, as near as I can tell. But anyway, that's all in good fun, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, Dave Tobe is the best special teams coach in the NFL. Chris Tabor is one of his main protégés and uh, probably in the running for second best special teams coach in the NFL, so it is concerning. Uh, but there's a lot of good special teams coaches out there that they're not the only two who can do the job. I, I, I will never understand 
why Dave hasn't gotten more serious consideration for a head coaching job. I, I was hopeful when I heard that Ryan Poles was the Bears' new GM that he would at least either have, and he may have had a conversation with, with Dave for all we know. Now, part of the problem, of course, is Dave is still coaching, and so he could not interview him uh, at the point that he got here during the week. I think he would have been able to if he wanted to wait uh, until Saturday but that that's risky business at this point. The Bears did the smart thing. They 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 hired their top choice, and now they're way ahead of everybody and putting together a staff. So, um, really disappointing to see Chris Tabor go because not only is he an outstanding special teams coach, he's an outstanding human being, um, and it's been a great pleasure working with him in in, in in both of his stints here with the Bears. Wish him nothing but the best in Carolina. Um, as I say, there there's a I mean you know the Packers obviously don't have one of them, but there are a lot of good special teams coaches out there, and I'm. Sure sure that, that Matt Eberflus has some people high on his list to be his special teams coordinator. Um, can't say anything about it until we get uh, some idea of who that is. So um, the next caller, uh, Caesar, I'm not sure if I'm reading this right. Is it LT in Lake in the Hills? Uh, uh, LT, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I always Good. enjoy you. Thank you. Hey, I, I, my take on this is that it's not a good move by ownership. They have a responsibility to give the Bears the um, the highest likelihood to, to be successful. And not having a experienced GM, you know, again, all of these things, you, you can have some of them that you miss, but by not having an experienced GM, an experienced head coach, um, you have a question mark on offense already. And now you're going to Eberflus, which means you're changing the defense to a 4-3, which also means now that the defense is a question. It then means that you can't extend anybody in the offseason on defense because you do not know how they're going to be in this new defense. Uh, by moving to a 4-3, you also have the biggest bus come at uh, – Four three defensive end and four three defensive tackle. Um, you know, I just feel like Eberflus may be successful, but what happened was they did. Now they have to hit on all these things. Eberflus has to do his job. Bowles has, Bowles has to do his job. The defense has to be able to switch. The offensive coordinator has to hit it. Everything has to go perfect, and they have given themselves a less likely chance to be successful by what they've done. Doesn't mean I'm not rooting for them. I'm sure they're all good guys, but they have lessened their likelihood of being successful over and over and over with each choice. Well, LT, uh, thank you for the call. I, you know, and I appreciate your points and there's no right or wrong here, but I do have to pretty strongly disagree with you. I, you know, first of all, um, you know, how many successful experienced GMs are there in the league? You know, you've got, you know, four or five teams that compete consistently year in and year out and everybody else goes up and down the ladder and is constantly struggling and these jobs are turning over every four or five years. So uh, going out and getting one of the brightest young minds in the game and Ryan Poles, which is what he's considered to be by many around the league, I just don't see that as a bad move. And then as I just got done discussing with Greg Gabriel, it's the norm in the NFL to hire coaches with no head coaching experience. And, and you're not talking about an inexperienced coach. 
Uh, Matt Eberflus has been coaching for 29 years. Uh, you know, he's 51 years old. He, he's worked his way up the ladder, and he is ready for his first shot. You're making the assumption that they're going to switch to a 4-3, which probably is a good assumption, but you mentioned defensive end. They have two all-pro 40-front defensive ends on the roster in Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Khalil Mack was playing a, a, a right defensive end or left defensive end position in a 40-front in Oakland when the Bears traded for him. Um, you've got Malal Nichols, who's a free agent, a kid who I think has incredible upside as a three technique in a 40 front. Uh, Roquan Smith might even be more effective as the will linebacker in, in a 4-3, or he could still play the mic, and it doesn't affect Jalen Johnson or Eddie Jackson. So um, they're in a pretty good position if they decide to switch to a 4-3, and, and most everything else had to be fixed anyway. That's why Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy got fired. So... Um, uh, I hear you, and, and, and you know oh, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> We're going to have to watch them play games and see these guys coach and make you know, talent evaluations and acquisitions. Um, but I just don't think the fact that they are first-timers in their job is a disqualifier by any means. Um, this is not just football hiring. This is any kind of hiring. You go out and get the guy with the best resume and the guy who impresses you the most and who appears to have the best tangibles. And um, by, by any standards, talking to people around the league, Sounds like they may have gotten those guys. So I'm not saying they're good moves. I, we don't know until we get to see them go to work. Uh, but I'm not at all disappointed uh, in, in the chances that they've taken with the choices that they've made. So thank you very much for your phone call. For all of you who called tonight, really grateful for it. I want to thank Cesar Perez. Outstanding job producing, as always. Put the whole thing together for us. Got us a chance to hear that interview with Rod Marinelli from Danny Parkins and Matt earlier today. Thank you guys for getting that done. To my guest, Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times and Greg Gabriel. Appreciate you guys checking in. Uh, again, though, most of all, for all of you who listened, who've called. I cannot thank you enough. We've got the CBS Sports Radio Network coming up next. But for the best coverage of sports anywhere in town 24-7, you want to stay right where you're at at 670 The Score. I'm going to be gone for tonight, but you all have a great night, and I'll be back talking to you again here at The Score real soon. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.